I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, October 2, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Big down day today. Everything got taken out behind the woodshed. It's what we call a 90% down day. Now, I don't know if it was officially a 90% down day or not. I don't have to look. Here's what I look at. I look at my own list of stocks. On my own list of stocks, which is comprised of basically the Dow stocks, the S&P stocks, the NASDAQ 100 stocks, and then there's a few additions and subtractions based on stuff A, either I like to trade, B, I don't, or C, too low of a price or too high of a price, not enough volume, things like that will get you in and out of that list. So out of that list, there's about 430 some odd stocks on that list. 28 stocks were in the green today. Some of them that were in the green were only in the green by a few pennies. So really there were just a handful of stocks that were up at all today and nothing was up all that much at all. Why doesn't it matter whether it was an official 90-day down day or not? It's something that technical analysts look at to get the breadth of the market, to get a sense for what's really going on. Was it a market that matched up with the tape underneath the hood, or was there a disconnect? Were there divergences? When you have a 90% down day, meaning 90% of the stocks in the NYSE were down. That's basically what that means. Doesn't have to be more complicated than that. If it walks like a duck, it talks like a duck, it's a duck. Today was what we call a gap and go. It was obviously a gap and go in the southern direction, but a gap and go nonetheless. Remember 297. They gave up 297 in a bear flag formation. Now let's talk about the horizontal trend lines that we discussed last night and why the market just cut or slice through them like a hot knife through butter. Not necessarily why it did it, but what's the underlying meaning of that, at least from where I sit? That's way more important than why they did it. You know how we discuss, and we discuss it quite a bit, when the market has trouble or would potentially have trouble grinding through a specific area, trading through an area, whether it's up above or down below, a lot of times the market will have a tendency to gap above or below said area. Look what happened today. We gapped below the 100 period moving average and it was off to the races on the south side. Let's remind ourselves of a few things. What we discuss time and time again is when a stock or a chart, or in this case an index, the SPY, trades through and doesn't really have any kind of a reaction at a gap That's not the important price. There's another price it's heading to. That gap becomes irrelevant. Now, here's the way I'm looking at it. And I'm talking about this gap here that was 290.74. We didn't really even bother to stop short at that gap at all. Look what happened. The market opened. Here's the 15-minute chart. And it blew right through that area, went to the 289.52, got a bounce for about 20, 30 minutes, and that was all she wrote. Now, how do we read or interpolate that? And I know I said it wrong. I said it wrong on purpose. Kind of like the word automagically. I like it better than automatically. Why do the numbers work over and over again? It's magic. It works automagically. 
Now, why didn't these gaps work like magic? Because the market is headed somewhere else. What we discuss time and time again is when they get into a gap, so they're trading beneath the actual gap. In the case of a market trending lower, that's more bearish, meaning don't expect a heavy bounce away from that gap until they can get back above that gap. Digging in and getting into that gap is negative. It means price is likely headed lower. The gap wasn't the spot. That's the takeaway. Let's lay out for a second what happens from here. Let's say the market doesn't bounce back tomorrow or Friday. Let's say there's more downside on the table. How much in the short term and where does the market actually get the bounce? Where does it get the rip your face off rally? Now that's what everybody wants to know. That's what everybody's looking for. A, how much more down and B, where and when is the rip your face off rally coming? Well, I'm not going to tell you exactly where and when the rip your face off rally is going to come. A, because I don't necessarily know exactly where and when just yet. I have an idea. The next question is, are we looking for a long-standing low or are we looking for a short-term low if we're looking for a low at all? Right now, we're looking for an interim low. We're looking for a short-term low, but I'm not necessarily looking where everybody else might be looking. Inside the numbers members, will have a beat on exactly where I'm looking at when they get to the morning notes. The question that we need to answer is, and we're not the ones that are going to have to answer this, it's the market that will answer this question. Are we going to come up short of the 200-period moving average? Are they going to touch it? Are they going to spike through it in reverse? Are they just going to hammer right on through? One thing we know for sure, Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate Crew will be out in full force. If you think they're going to come up short, they're going to drive right through. If you think they're going to spike right through, they're going to come up short and reverse and head on up without you. That's the way it works. I have a beat on where I think the market may make a turn, but more importantly, I have an idea of when. As we know, time is more important than price. Now, the turn I'm speaking of is a short-term turn. Here's the weekly chart of the SPY. Here we are again with the, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's likely a duck. Is that a double top and a failure? And the answer is, it is a double top and a failure. And the second question is, how did I know, and you have to pay attention to this, how did I know whether to know or not how important 289.52 was today. You saw the market basically stop short there just for a little while. So I know the market recognized the price area. But when the market traded through, how did I know there was something bigger at work? Here's the 289.52 on the daily chart. We discussed it last night. There were a few traders that have taken the course that knew exactly how to come up with that number, and they did come up with it correctly. There were a couple of fits and starts. There were a couple of false starts, if you will, but we all got it in the end. There was a little bit of trickiness going on, but we had the number. But what I didn't tell you last night, what I am going to tell you tonight is, how did I know for sure? How did I double-check that that number is important. The number came up through using market symmetry to my advantage. That's something that's taught in detail in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, which is exactly how the traders that took the course that wanted to know how I came up with the number were able to figure out how I came up with the number. But here's the best part. When you have something else that lines up with the same number, give or take, but the same general price area, 
you have something completely different not having anything to do with the way you came up with the first number and the second number is spot on, guess what? You know that number's important. You know it's important, A, is it going to be support, or B, if they blow right through it, it's telling you another story. It's another puzzle piece to the same puzzle, and it's telling you a lot. We have to understand when the market is trying to tell us something, we've got to take the information. When they're handing it to you on a silver platter, you have to take it. So I'm going to give you what I'm looking at. You see the breakup candle low here from the 6th of September. This is a weekly chart, so it's the week ending September 6th. The low is 289.27. It comes within pennies of the 289.52 from the other conversation. Now, we're currently below that price. That doesn't necessarily mean they will or won't close the week below that price. They're below it now. I'm watching it very closely because if they close below that price by Friday afternoon at 4 p.m., that's going to be very telling for the market. Doesn't mean you get an immediate reaction from a close below that price of the weekly candle. However, it's telling us more information about the bigger picture. It's a puzzle piece. Once the big picture puzzle is put together, you have the answer, which is how we generally can pick off highs and lows the majority of the time. Not going to get them all. I'm not going to get them every time. And I'm not going to get them to the penny. But we come relatively close over and over and over because we're able to put all these things together and take the market in bits and pieces until there's enough puzzle pieces inside the frame. Here's a short hop for you. We're over at inside the numbers. We're in stocks on the move. I'm not going to bore you with the commentary today. It was a trend day lower. We knew once they gave up the big fat round number of 2,900, that was all she wrote. That was from inside the numbers. It was from early this morning throughout the day. We had it pretty spot on, but there wasn't much to do. It was basically a trend day down in the southern direction till they found an assemblance of a low. They tried to bounce the market and then they killed it right at the close. That's the same broken record that we've seen over and over and over again. Let's focus on stocks on the move. Now, a day when the market's getting killed, everything's getting taken out behind the woodshed, you wouldn't expect these trades to work. Well, how about two of the stocks on the list hit their targets today, ATVI and Monster MNST. You see the entries listed, $50.64 for Activision, $54.07 for Monster Beverage. We'll take a look at the charts in a moment. Here are the important numbers. The ES is on your left, SPY in the middle, crude oil on the right. Peruse them for yourself. Go over to a chart and see what happened with the market at some of these numbers. You'll gain an understanding of why they were important. How about Activision? So yesterday, the stock closed at $52.89. It was getting a haircut at the open, but was able to identify a pretty good level where the stock should find an assemblance of support notwithstanding the fact the market was trading down in the morning. It wasn't down nearly as much in the pre-market, but it was down nonetheless. Guess what? Down provides opportunity. That's the way this business works. Up, a big gap higher in the morning, generally takes away your opportunity from the trades. We don't want a floater market. We want a market that's moving. We want a market where traders, people, 
investors, computers, whatever it is. We want a market where all the participants are forced into decisions. That creates volatility. Volatility creates opportunity. Opportunity creates profit. You see what happened with Activision. I don't really need to explain anymore. We didn't pick off the low to the penny, but the low was $50.25. Not bad. Never out of the money by 1%. How about Monster Beverage? Kind of looks like the same chart. The stock closed yesterday at $56.42, getting its haircut at the open. Stock made a low of $53.67, and then it ripped to the upside. It was a very fast rocket ride. I got all the messages. I can't answer all those messages. I appreciate you just the same. You're welcome. What's going on in Camp IWM? Two things jump off the page at me. A, the tail candle from today, and B, how quick the market declined once they got below, or what I like to use the term as recaptured that trend line. Once we got back below that trend line, it was all she wrote. The IWM, and here's an example of why, the IWM is absolutely my favorite market-leading indicator. Look where it is on the chart relative to the SPY. Here's the daily chart of the spider, and you can see it's not nearly the same uptrend in the IWM that we saw in the SPY. It's been more of an EKG or certainly a rodeo ride. Are we going to see a goal line stance come out and play defense at this low right here down at 144 and change? That's possible by the end of the week, but if they give up that number on the weekly close, the 200 period moving average may just be a way station because you'll go a lot lower. You've already been too close and bounced too far away from that 200 period moving average for it to be as meaningful as it would have been had we gotten down there over here in August. Instead, the market reversed. Now, if they come back down to that 200 period moving average, that's not the same number. It's not the same trade. It's not the same market setup. It's not the same chart. Let's say the market finds a low, whether it's Thursday, Friday, maybe it's Monday. Within the next few days, we're going to find an assemblance of a low. How high does the market bounce away from that low? That's something we'll cover when we find the low. How high the market rips away from that low will also determine how low the next leg down will go. And yes, there will be another leg down. We're jumping around a little bit, but that's okay. I want to keep you on your toes. I want to talk briefly about the bounce that hasn't come in yet. Even though we cannot identify how much of a rally we might find after we find a low, because the market's still falling, right? We can only head in one direction at a time. But I just want to give you a sense so you're thinking correctly when we find a low. Let's just pick a number out of the air. Let's say for argument's sake, they find a low around 285. For our conversation, that's a short-term low. Conceptually, you want to say, how far did the market fall and how much of a snapback should I expect? What's a minimum snapback to expect? When we discuss minimums, we'll use around 25 to 35% of the entire decline at a minimum. So let's just say, for argument's sake, we come from a high up here, we find a low at 285 or at least an interim low, and the market's going to find a reason to rally. Something happens, all of a sudden they put in a low, the market catches fire. How much of that total move is 25 to 35%? Well, look at it this way. Four and a half, 
five and a half, maybe six dollars. But if they start to do more, remember, that's a minimum number. If they want to take half back, you're looking at eight, nine dollars. If they stretch lower, expect more of a rodeo, expect more of a snapback. That's just the way it works. Think of it in terms of a rubber band, and we've done this before. Every time the market goes down hard, I have the rubber band discussion. So let's have it again. Think of a rubber band and think of it stretching. You're holding an end in both hands and you're stretching it and stretching it and stretching it. What's going to happen? Either it's going to slip out of your hand and snap back or it's going to break. One of those two things has to happen. The break is the crash. It happens, just not all that much. And we're in one of those scenarios where it could happen, but you can't plan for a crash. You have to either be able to A, identify it, or B, be in it already. So under normal garden variety market conditions, you're going to get a snapback. How healthy the market is or how weak the market is determines how much of a snapback. And that's how you read the market. At least that's how I read the market. How about the transports? Throwing the ball around the horn again. Talk about a quick decline out of a bear flag pattern. This chart looks very, very similar to the IWM. Here's the way I look at it. The IWM and the transports, because I look at them as market-leading indicators, I'm looking at both of them and the position they are on the chart relative to the moving averages, the positioning on the chart relative to the lack of an uptrend like we saw in the SPY, we came all the way back down. We're testing this bottom for the third time, or we're testing this price for the third time. What do we really see here? Well, when you look at the weekly chart, you can see a bull flag pattern. So all we're really doing now in that scenario is coming down to the lower portion of the flag. So we can certainly test the lower portion and get another rally back up to the northern side. That's possible. But what happens if it breaks down below? Do you think that 200 period moving average is any good? Not for me, it's not. Not a lot of people look at a longer term chart, a monthly chart. What do we see on the monthly chart? We see two things, or I see two things. A, the same bullish pattern that could be setting up to work higher and do this and break out above or at least test again the high of this breakdown candle. That's one way to look at it, and you have to look at it that way. That's the bull case. You always have to have two cases. There's two sides to every coin. What's the bear case? The bear case is we can't get above the breakdown candle high. That's why the market's being rejected. This is essentially going to go lower, and we're coming down here. The 100-period moving average, this breakout area, 8,000, give or take. It's not an exact number now. It's in the ballpark or the neighborhood of where this kind of move will send the market if we fail and if this essentially is a breakdown candle failing and the market is failing and it's going to trade away, we're going to trade down to 8,000 or lower. How do you like them apples? Just the round number itself is close to 20% down from where we are. That's a big move. A lot is happening if that happens. The SPY isn't down 2%. We're having a continued meltdown under that scenario, which by the way, is the likely longer term scenario. What's longer term? Months. Inside of those months, you're going to have nice, big, fat, healthy, rip your face off rallies. They're coming. They're coming to a chart near you. But you're also going to have 
pull the rug out, open the trap door, declines. That's what a rodeo looks like. How about the cues? Remember that trend line? It's not my trend line, it's the market's trend line, and they gave up the ghost. They gapped below that moving average that was, at least of recent, supportive of the market. Who thinks, if reached, the 200-period moving average will hold? Maybe for a day, maybe for a week. But I don't think it's going to hold for long. I think lower prices are likely. And guess what? Below the 200-period moving average, I have my heart set on a different price. The price in the queues on the downside is around 174, maybe 173. In that neighborhood is where I think the queues would represent a tradable area if we can find an assemblance of a low down in that zone. How long does that qualify for? It's a good question. For now, it qualifies for a few days. I don't necessarily think we'll get there in the next couple of days. We could. I don't necessarily think we will. However, if we do some type of eating time off the clock routine right around the 200 period moving average, I'll change my, and I'll have to change my tune about that 174, 173 price zone. But for now, it's something to keep in the back of your mind or on a post-it note. The XBD. Repo Man, the financials, got absolutely scorched yesterday. Follow through today on the downside down another $5.82 or 2.3%. This is not an accident. This is not a, oh, let's go run and test that low real quick and then we'll bounce right back over those moving averages. That's not what's going on here. What's going on here is something that's headed lower. They may find some semblance of defense, maybe put out a goal line defense down around 242, 243 around these lows. But how long is that going to hold for? Doesn't this chart look similar to the IWM and the transports only a touch worse? Remember what we always say about the financials? Without the financials leading either on the downside or the upside, the market is unlikely to get very far. But if the financials are melting down, beware, the market likely isn't far behind. We're seeing a meltdown develop in the XBD and the XLF. Here's the XLF, by the way. Just this week alone, look at the range that's already been traded. It's already entering from a range standpoint, meaning the week's high to the week's low so far. And we're only at Wednesday. There's two more trading days left. But already, the week's range puts us in the 20% camp of this happens 20% of the time, not 80% of the time. Just look at the candles on the screen, and you could see the amount of very large candles versus the amount of small ones. There's fewer large candles, more small ones. 20% of the time is a very large candle. 80% of the time is a very small candle. What do we do with the large candles? They're anomalies. They're generally the market's way of trying to indicate something. The market is telling us something. It could be shouting us something. It could be using a bullhorn. What happens if the XLF closes the week below the 50-week moving average after being above all the moving averages last week? That's the market's way of telling you, hey, over here, there's trouble going on. If it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. It's going to be a duck 90% of the time. The SMH, which is a good leading indicator in and around the tech space, not nearly in the same position as the last few charts we just saw. Much healthier chart, looks more like the Qs. And by the way, this is of note, 
It looks better than the Q's. It's one of the best looking charts on the board. Is it the best house in a bad neighborhood? We don't know. Above that 50 period moving average on the daily chart, it's in pretty good shape. Above all the moving averages on the weekly chart, and it's in very good shape. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take something that has relative strength from a long-term perspective. That's the SMH. Pay attention. I'm giving you a trade. In fact, I'm giving you a bucket of trades. You're going to do a couple of things. A, you're going to keep your eye on the SMH. Then you're going to look at the components inside the SMH. You can find them. Go to Yahoo Finance, put in the symbol, hit enter, go over to Holdings, which is a link. It'll bring up another page. Scroll down to the bottom and you'll see the top 10 holdings. Taiwan Semiconductor, Intel, Texas Instruments, Micron, NVIDIA, Qualcomm, on and on. You look at those charts, you take everything you learned in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, and you start to work the numbers. Start to look for where support would be on those charts. And if, in fact, we're going to have at least an assemblance of a short-term low, what's going to be leading the charge? Likely, the SMH and the stuff inside the SMH will turn before the market bottoms. That's the way you spot it. You have to be watching the SMH. You watch the stocks inside the SMH. You're looking at the intraday charts. You're looking for a bottoming signal on the intraday charts. If you begin to see them in the SMH and the stocks inside the SMH, there's your cue. You trade against those lows. That's it. But it has to coincide with where and when the expectation of a low is in the SPY. In terms of time, it should be within the next few days. If we don't see at least some kind of low within the next few days, watch out below. The rubber band could break. What are we looking at in terms of the SMH price-wise? 111.50. Make that 111.28. It's a gap on the daily chart beneath the 100-day moving average. And you have a safety net down below of 110. Could they touch 110? Of course they could. But this is an area. This is a price zone. It will feel wrong at the time. But this is a price zone that should be support for the market. If it's not, it's the rubber band. You're in the middle of the breaking of the rubber band if you don't find support at 111 or 110 in the SMH. It's not continuous support. It's a one-shot deal. You're expecting some kind of reaction off 110, 111, 111.50 in that neighborhood. Maybe you get back to 115, you take your money, and you run. The stocks, the individual stocks inside the SMH, they'll actually give you more of a bounce higher than the actual index or this ETF will under normal garden variety market conditions. All right, folks, I think I'm out of wind for tonight, so this is a pretty good place to pull the ripcord. Before I do, let me first make sure that I emphasize that I appreciate each and every one of you. Without you, these videos are not possible, so I thank you for tuning in every single day. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.